Ballistic Sports, Foundation Physiotherapy, and Georgetown Honda present Out of the Park with Barry Davis. This week, we talk to Marco Estrada as he begins to look at life beyond the game of baseball. Golf is doing it for me. You know, if I don't ever come back to play baseball, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm pretty happy right now. And now, here's a guy that probably shouldn't be playing golf or baseball, to be honest. Probably going to end up hurting himself. Barry Davis! Or hurt others, Tom. Or hurt others, yeah. Yes. What, what's that What's that, What's that? that phrase again? Four? Four? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, the good news is I can't hit the ball hard enough to actually hurt somebody with it, so that's good news. Hey, folks, welcome to Out of the Park. There's Tom. I'm Barry, and we've got a great show for you. And why are we talking about golf on Out of the Park? Well, it just so happens that our guest, former Blue Jays pitcher Marco Estrada, has been playing a lot of it lately, and we'll find out why when he joins us. Tom, this is also going to mark our largest Zoom group yet. We had, I think, seven or eight out of the park insiders all jammed in with Marco Estrada, and it was a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And people from all over the world. uh, Really, really special, really big show. Yeah. Want to see it. Yeah, it's going to be a great reunion as uh, our pal from Pakistan, Usman, is going to join us. Huge Marco Estrada fan. He will get to actually talk to Marco for the first time. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're also going to talk with our pal Rob Hyatt. Why? Why wouldn't we? All, all we can talk about with the Blue Jays these days are injury. Everyone is getting injured with the Blue Jays. We're going to focus mainly on a couple of the big ones, including this new injury, which is an old injury to George Springer and uh, Alejandro Kirk, who could be on the shelf for quite a while. Up next, though, Tom... We have some prizes to give away, and we're going to be joined by a good friend of ours who used to come on this show quite often. A Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. Hey, Tom, we've got some big news to announce here on Out of the Park as uh, we've got a contest coming up. And joining us to talk about that contest is somebody that we have known for quite a few years really since the inception of out of the park and uh it's so great to be working again with julia and the jaywalk and uh julia first of all great to have you on the show i hope things have been going well and let's get a plug right off the top because we know COVID has really caused a lot of companies like yourselves to to suffer for a while blue jays are playing well fans are getting excited they're seeing all these great shirts online how can they pick one up well, uh, we have our website. That's the, the primary place to get any of our gear. Um, we have collections for the Blue Jays, the Raptors, the Maple Leafs. So we have all of the big three major Toronto sports teams covered. If you're a fan, we probably have something that you would enjoy. Um, the jaywalk.com is our website. You can find all of our, our merch on there. Um, and we're excited that baseball's back in full swing and uh, you know things are picking up again. And it's been great for us so far. And for those watching, you can see Tom and myself both sporting the Out of the Park shirts, which have made this 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 surge over the last month. People are wanting these shirts again. So uh, I'm wearing the black. Tom's got the blue. You can get it in white. Uh, but again, uh, this is something people can still can still purchase, right? Yeah, on our website. We still have the Out of the Park shirts. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been awesome to see people posting on Twitter and, and Instagram wearing the shirt. So it's nice that people are, are supporting the podcast. Well, you know, the Out of the Park is my personal favorite of the shirts that you have uh, at the Jaywalk. But I have to admit, and I'd love to give a shout out to the Dome shirts that you have. Yeah, because that's we, actually, it's been so popular <laughs> lately. It's It's crazy. It's something we talked about on the show, and, you know, it's a little bit of a controversial thing in Toronto. I'm a diehard old-school Blue Jays fan, so it was always the dome to me. Uh, Rob Ducey echoed that sentiment just uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, and I love seeing it in the shirt. So, you know, of all the products that you carry, what is the most popular for you, or does it change um, with the sports season? It does because we try to release a new collection every season and keep up with, you know, what's going on. You know, if something happens during a game, we can kind of make it into a shirt pretty much almost instantly. I mean, Barry knows from when that that uh, really popular interview with Josh Donaldson and we made the We Like Our Team Barry shirt and that kind of went viral overnight and it was it was crazy. But um, this season it's been um, the it's called Sky Dome shirt for sure. 
Um, I think a lot of people, you know, with the, the discussion of, you know, do we do we knock down Rogers Center and, and build something new? Um, but I think a lot of the old school fans still call it Skydome, even before my it's before my time and I still call it Skydome. So um, <laughs> that's probably been the most popular shirt this year so far. So we have you on today, not only to, you know, remind our listeners and viewers what a great company you are, but also to let them know that we have some stuff that we're going to give away. And we're going to have two winners that we're going to announce and we're going to announce them. Uh, well, let's let's say at the end of the month. OK, and what we're going to have you do is uh, we're going to have a prize for anyone that listens or watches this program. And if you are an out of the park insider, you have a chance to win an even bigger prize, which is cool as well. So. Before you uh, tell everyone what it is that they will be able to choose from, uh, we're going to let you know that we are going to, over the next few days, we're going to reveal it over social media, what the trivia question is going to be. We're going to have a trivia question. And the first OTP insider that gets it right will win a prize pack, and the first non-OTP insider will win a pack as well. So what can the lucky winners look forward to choosing? So the non-member uh, winner, if you guess correctly first, will win uh, a t-shirt of their choice so they can pick any any design that they like on our website um, and that'll be their prize. And the bigger prize pack for an OTP member will be a prize pack that consists of a hoodie of their choice, um, some t-shirts of their choice, we'll do two t-shirts, um, a hat and then any of our accessory items that they would like to add and we'll make it a nice nice big build your own uh, prize pack so to speak and we'll throw some other uh, Blue Jay swag in there as well. That is awesome. The new line is out right now and uh, as we speak uh, you can see some pictures of some of the new shirts that are, are, are out for the 2021 season. Julia how much how much effort and how much work and even kind of battling over do I like this one? Do I like that one? When you're putting these designs together, because you can only do so many, right? Do you have a lot of good ideas that kind of end up getting cut because you just don't have room for all of them? Some, some do. And I mean, I'm a graphic designer by trade. So a lot of times it's just, you know, stuff that's more aesthetically pleasing or um, a lot of times we'll release stuff as the season goes on. So like I said, you know, if something happens during a game, we can put on a t-shirt um, and kind of release newer stuff as, as time goes on. But um, we try to try to create different, different designs. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, the possibilities are endless, but when we do release a new collection, um, we just try to try to have a different approach every season, so to speak. Was it harder to determine an approach this season with the, you know, the environment, you know, the baseball actually being down south, everybody in Ontario could use a little bit of a pick-me-up. Did it make it harder or did it make it a little bit easier to start having some fun with them? Um, there were some that were, were pretty fun, like the, the Buffalo, New York, um, when they were housed in Buffalo versus, you know, at home in Canada. That was a fun one. Um, and a lot of times, you know, fans will suggest something to put on a shirt that they would love to see that was one um and we kind of just played on you know a map of the state of new york and and renamed buffalo Bowflow uh for boba so um there there were some some designs that were were easier because of that you know circumstances but um it's hard when you know for a time there was there was nothing happening and and it's just like what can you do you know you can only do so many Toronto oriented designs, um, you know, fans like to see stuff that's different. So it helps that stuff is, is happening and continuing to, to happen. So. Well, Julia, while you were uh, saying that I finally came up with an idea for a trivia question. Okay. So for those watching and listening, you get first dibs on this trivia question. And the trivia question is, and if you're a loyal listener or viewer, this should be easy for you. Tell us the name of three former Toronto Blue Jays that we have Zoomed with since we switched over to video. Pretty simple. Just give us names of the three former Blue Jays that you have seen on Out of the Park, and the first non-member and the first member will each win a prize from the Jaywalk. Julia, where can people, again, let's get that last plug in, where can they find you? 
Um, our website where you can purchase any of our items is www.thejaywalk.com. Uh, you can find us on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at the underscore jaywalk. Um, and that's where anyone can find us. Foundation Physiotherapy presents The Medical Room. Our good pal Raj Sapaya joins us from Foundation Physiotherapy. New background this week. I like it. Fueled by Foundation. I love it. I love it. And you don't seem to get caught up in it like you used to with the other logo. <laughs> right? Yes, this is a bit better. Yeah. It's a bit better. Yeah, it works better. So before we get to the current injuries, Raj, first of all, I want to say you nailed it when we talked about Ryu, uh, saying that don't worry, it's not a long-term thing, and, and he's back. So you're absolutely right about that. Um, before we get to Alejandro Kirk, who is out with the hip flexor injury, we did talk a couple of weeks ago about George Springer and the quad. And running to first base, he re-injures the quad, and now he's back on the injured list again. Does it surprise you that, A, he was back as soon as he was, and B, that he re-injured it as quickly as he did? To the rehab they're getting and the amount of work they're putting into their training, right? Some athletes like are just built stronger and, and they work harder. It, it's really hard to come up with that formula. Um, if he got back in too soon, is that a is that something ingrained in the athlete, or is that something that's in the rehab regiment that the trainers aren't testing before getting him out there into those levels of speed? So I mean, they have all the high tech devices and everything to make sure that these guys can handle the power and the sprinting and the load that they should be able to. So where where is that? inconsistency it's really hard to tell guys um but yeah i mean of course you know when you have an injury you, it's easy to get re-injured if you go back in too soon so first of all he got injured and it took a little bit longer than you know we were informed initially for him to come back and now he's right back out again and and you're right it could be a player thing it could be a training thing but there's actually been a number of blue jays uh it seems to be a, sort of a pattern this year uh, with the club disclosing an injury that it's like, they'll be back today. They'll be back tomorrow. And, oh, okay. Now all of a sudden it's not, and they keep stepping it back. And so it seems to be a pattern of these blue Jay players taking much longer than initially thought to heal. So would you look at something like that and think maybe we are rushing the, the players back? Could that be a team problem rather than a player problem? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, like, you know, I, I really feel like the medical team is so integral into the, it's like, it's like an IT department of a, of a company, right? Like you need that mainframe to work. So like the medical team is so important and they're almost like, you know, and if you're not going to throw the right money and the right kind of, you know, brain power at it, you're, you're not going to get the results you want. And if you try to rush things too soon, I know, for example, I'll go back to basketball, like the Raptors, they made their head physiotherapist assistant coach. That's a smart move because now he has, he has powers and he works with the GM so closely because his real outcome is looking at health. Sometimes there is a, there is a like, you know, conflict between the management and having to get these players back in because they want to utilize their dollars versus the medical team. So, you know, and, and we never hear about it on the media, what the changes in the medical team, but I think a lot of inconsistencies in medical teams and, and doctors leaving and trainers leaving can totally affect the team's health and, and the team's performance. Those are the things they don't talk about. We talk about the injuries, but we don't talk about what goes behind it. Um, so for sure, I, I think if, if we're seeing that consistently, there has to be some sort of like revamping of the internal structure within the medical organization of, of the Jays. Raj, whenever we talk about injuries, there's usually the part of the body followed by what the injury is, a bruised knee, a strained quad. But whenever you hear hip flexor, you just hear he's got a hip flexor. What's the injury? Is the hip flexor the area? Is a flexor the injury? Like, it's got to be one of the most confusing things, and it seems to be the only part of the body where they don't actually say what it is. They just say he's got a hip flexor. Well, yeah, they say they have a hip flexor injury, and, and I, think, I think that's just – I, I think what happens, and I think every league, to be honest, after doing this with you guys and doing NFL and Major League and, and NBA, I think every league has categories. That's what I've noticed. I've noticed in certain sports they release a bit more information. And then in major league, it's just like quad strain, glute strain, hip flexor injury. So I think I think every sport has its way of releasing information to the media. And I'll actually, the more of these interviews I've done and looking up these injuries, I'm like, huh, you know, I've noticed some leagues are a lot more forthcoming and others aren't, uh, which might be speak to major league itself as an organization. 
So what would cause one to suffer a hip flexor injury and where is exactly it? So the hip flexor, so, so, so to that point, the hip flexor is in the front of your hip. It's what lifts your leg up. So if you think of like walking upstairs and having to lift your leg up off the ground, right? That is a hip flexor. It kind of starts at the top of your thigh and goes kind of into like your abdominal region. It's not a huge muscle uh, in comparison to things like the quads and the hamstrings and the glutes, but it's important in lifting your hip off the ground. So if you think of any forward movement, running, um, jumping, you know, sprinting, anything like that in which you have to lift your leg up off the ground, the hip flexor is involved. It's quite commonly injured. And um, so that's where the hip, it's called the hip flexor. There's a, there's a larger kind of uh, proper anatomical name for it, but we kind of just call it the hip flexor. And that's what people would, uh, would call it. As. So imagine the muscle that's right in front of your hip that's responsible for keeping your hip bent. I think the question on a lot of Blue Jays fans' Uh, lips is probably going to be is this one of those injuries that might roll into the 10 day maybe 60 day injured list uh, so to be honest unlike the glute uh the hip flexor is like i said more commonly injured and i do think it's going to be more than 10 days um again earlier in the season they might want to might want to rehab him it's a smaller muscle uh, it's likely his tendon that's probably irritated or inflamed so there's probably gonna be some pinching that's happening in there and, and not as much power he can drive from that leg. So I have a feeling uh, they're probably putting him on a 10 day, but they'll probably extend it uh, a bit longer from even what I've seen with just the regular population getting hip flexor injuries, you know, especially to go back to that kind of load uh, with what, what um, the athletes have to do. You're probably looking at more than 10. Raj, one thing I have in common with Kirk is I'm not very fleet afoot. I'm not the speediest guy. And when I was playing sports, sometimes I would overextend myself to keep up. So as a slower guy, and you could see it because he was really busting it down the first baseline, and he's not the fastest guy in the world. When you are a slower runner, is it even more vital to stretch and prepare certain muscles? Because times, especially when you're highly competitive – you're going to be pushing probably a little bit harder than someone who just glides down the first baseline. hundred percent. That's where strength is going to be important, right? Like if you just don't have that natural speed or if your size is a bit bigger, there's some things you just can't change on your body type. Uh, so, you know, it, in a guy like Kirk, if we, if he's had this occur, it's probably going to be part of his program is to keep his hips strong. Cause he's going to be driving a lot of force through his hips to be able to sprint. Or I would say just start hitting home runs. That's what some of the big guys method. used to do back then, right? Just hit home runs and have to worry about method. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you treat a hip flexor strain? What oh, kind of things oh, can you uh, do? Lots of things. So first thing we would do is reduce the inflammation. Um, you know, we'd obviously take him off of what's irritating him. So rest is going to be the first thing. Rest from his sport. Uh, rest from any sort of aggressive movements. Uh, calming down the inflammation. So that could be done through some soft tissue techniques, some manual techniques, some massage, even some like cold compress can help reduce some of the irritation in there, right? Um, and then finally, you want to work into stretching and strengthening. So stretching would be if the hip flexor is, is again, so the muscle that bends your hip forward, you want to stretch it the other way, right? Open it up, do some passive stretches, teach the athlete some active stretching as well to extend the leg uh, and then strengthen the whole thing. So a lot of a lot of the muscles around strengthening his abs, strengthening his hip, and so on. So that's the whole gamut of it. And then after the strengthening part, you put him back into you, you get him back into the sport. Right. Raj, we already have seen how hip you are on this show. Now we need to see you flex. Ooh, nice one. <laughs> no, no, I'm being honest. We've seen you hip. You can't see. Ah, oh, there he is.
Marco, we've had you on this show many times before. We've never had you on via video before. So uh, now you get to see what I look like all these years later. Oh, man. Yeah, I wish we weren't doing it this way, but. <laughs> okay. The last couple times we've had you on the show, I may have uh, prematurely announced that you are retiring from, from playing in the major leagues. Uh, are we now officially ready to say that you are retired from Major League Baseball? Or are you still are you still in it or what? Uh, I'm still working. Uh, I've been working out quite a bit, actually. Um, I feel pretty good. Um, but it's one of those things that I just, if I was going to play, I didn't want to play a full season just with the whole protocols and, you know, the COVID uh, thing going around. It's just, um, it's one of those things I just don't want to deal with. And if I can't be around my friends and family, it's just, it's not worth it. But, I'm, you know, I'm not playing right now, obviously. And uh, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent ready to say I'm done, but I, I, I probably am. That's pretty good. That's as close as we've gotten to to an official, which sucks because I want to keep see you keep pitching. Right. Oh, yeah. No, obviously. And I wish I was, but you know, injuries are injuries and I'm old now. <laughs> <laughs> Have you given any thought to your next steps after the game? I haven't. Um, I've been playing a lot of golf and I want to get good at it, but I think it's going to take me years <laughs> to become uh, good at it. But uh, no, no thoughts right now. Just enjoying life, uh, hanging out with the kids, you know, the family, the wife. Um, just enjoying being home. It's, it's been a lot of fun the last year and a half or so. Which is interesting because when we talk to players that have stepped away from the game, there's that kind of torn in the middle thing. They feel great that, oh, yeah, they get to be with their family. They're catching up on things they haven't done. But then there's this void and nine times out of ten it's a competitive void that's not there and they have to find ways of filling it so what have you been doing to fill that void that's golf golf is doing it for me um and you're right our golf course our golf courses are still closed by the way so we can't even golf yet here oh are they really I've, yeah i've been golfing for a good year now and i've gotten a lot better but Still, you know, I, I challenge myself every day. I'm, I'm treating it like baseball, honestly. I, I want to get really good at it. So I've been playing quite a bit, and it's filling that void for now. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not torn with anything. If, you know, if I don't ever come back to play baseball, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm pretty happy right now. So one year into golfing, I have to ask, what sort of scores are you shooting? i say uh, low 80s right now. Um, I've had a bunch of – uh, scores in the 70s, but I think on average, I'd probably shoot around 80 to 82, 83. Damn. That's like your fastball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so when you go into your, your golf swing, do you go really, 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 really slow and then come around and then all of a sudden hit it like crazy? Like, is there a change up version of a golf swing? So I used to when I first started and I would slice the ball pretty bad. Um, but nowadays, you know, after playing for a full year, um, I've learned a lot. And now I just I try to keep my backswing about the same speed as my, you know, going forward swing. And uh, I can hit the ball pretty well. Um, like I said, I've done a lot better, but there's still a lot of improvement left. I don't like to get all technical because we're more about a people than we are about technical stuff but you mentioned that with the golf swing when you would throw a changeup, would there be a conscious timing thing that you'd have to go through in your head as you're about to throw it because to me a changeup is a pitch that if it's not thrown precisely correct you're screwed <laughs> yeah it is one of those pitches that even you know myself uh when i didn't throw it right you got hit a long ways so um but i there's nothing that I, like went through my head while I was pitching about how to throw a changeup. It's just something that came naturally, I guess. Um, once I picked it up, I, you know, it, it didn't take me very long before I used it in the game and, you know, figured out that it's a pretty good pitch. So it just kind of came naturally, to be honest with you. What was it about your, your changeup? Cause your changeup, you know, most pitchers, the, the success of their changeup kind of relies on keeping hitters off balance. 
but you were one of those rare pitchers, you know, the hitter could know that that changeup was coming, but they still couldn't time it up. They still couldn't square it up. What was it about your changeup that distinguished it from, from your contemporaries? I have no idea. I've asked hitters before um, what it looked like because I had no clue. All my goal was just to make it look like a four-seam fastball. When I'm throwing a fastball. I mean, you're always going to load, but you, you push off of it, right? Yeah. You push off. At least I do. When I'm throwing a changeup, I'm, I'm still back here. And as I release, my, I try to stay back as long as I can with that back leg. That was the only goal I had. And, and obviously to make it a little bit slower than your fastball, which wasn't hard for me. But um, I would ask hitters that and they would tell me exactly what I was hoping was, you know, it looked just like my four seam fastball, but it would never get there. Um, so obviously that's going to throw off anybody's timing. Um, and that's all I wanted to hear. So my goal was just to have that same four speed for uh, four seam spin on the ball. And it seemed like I was doing it right. So when you were having a, a not so good day on the mound, was it like, is it easy enough to look back now and attribute it to something relatively simple? And, and who's your friend? This ax right here. Oh, nice. Little <laughs> <laughs> dachshund sample here. He, he's a great dog. Yeah. He's a, he's a year old now. He's a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. So like, was is, were you able to look back on days where you maybe you just didn't have it? And oh, hard days. Well, I mean, not to, <laughs> not to compare it at all to like R.A. Dickey, but because that was a feel pitch. And to me, a changeup is a feel pitch that, you know, you could feel physically great going on the mound. All your other pitches could be working great, but you just don't have the feel for the changeup. Yeah, there's plenty of those days. Um, and I hated it, but. You know, even on those days, I was able to get away with a lot because um, I was, you know, it's it just it's one of those pitches that if, you know, even if it's off, if you just keep it down, you should still be pretty successful. Um, but for the most, yeah, it's just, man, I, I had way too many of those and, and it was scary. Um, it was scary going out there without a changeup, you know, because I wasn't throwing it by guys. It's not like I threw 95 or 100. Um so without that changeup, it just it made pitching a little more difficult. But uh, the days that I did feel like it was on, I man, I felt invincible. It was it's a good feeling to be out there and knowing, man, I, I've got I've got my changeup down. Um, but also, you know, your fastball location. If you have fastball location, that's all you need. Speaking of the fastball, that seems to be the key to success for so many young players. And you know, baseball is one of those games where people like to emulate other players and it seems right now we're in an era where everybody wants that you know 99 mile an hour fastball everyone wants the hard cutter or the hard slider why isn't it that you know with all the arm entries with all the tommy john why aren't there more players out there perfecting a changeup, or is it just that difficult to pitch that there are people trying and they're not, you know unable to emulate your success it's just a field pitch it's such a field pitch and some guys uh i think guys uh um, do throw harder, just have a little more, uh, a tougher time trying to have that feel, I guess. But there are plenty of guys that throw really hard and have a great changeup. It's just, um, I don't think it really matters if you throw hard or slow. It's just a feel pitch, and some guys have it, some guys don't. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It, it should be a pitch that everybody has. I, I think it's uh, definitely a great weapon to have. Marco, we have a, a pretty big group here of your fans, and it, it really goes to show the impact that you made during your time as, as a Toronto Blue Jay. Uh, when you look back on that now, uh, just to know that there are this many people that want to sit here in this chat room and, and ask you a question, uh, what does that mean to you? Oh, it means a lot. I had such a good time in Toronto, um, and I always said it was my second home. Uh, I just felt comfortable. The fans were always amazing. Uh, you know, whether I was pitching good or bad, it didn't matter. Uh, most of the people out there were, you know, treated me kindly and, and it meant a lot to me. Um, I just had a really good time out there in Toronto and I miss it. Well, I'm going to ask you if you remember this. This was uh, maybe three years ago. You were still with the Blue Jays and one of our regular listeners to our show uh, lives in Pakistan and he'd get up at four o'clock in the morning and his name was Usman, and you uh, had some cleats and a glove and stuff that you wanted to send to him. Well, for the first time, uh, Usman is actually joining us right now 
from Pakistan. Usman, say hello to Marco. First of all, what time is it in Pakistan right now? Well, right now it's uh, 1.15 a.m. in the morning. So it's like Monday right now, not Sunday for me. <laughs> That's incredible. So, <laughs> so here's your opportunity, Usman. What, what would you like to say to Marco? Yeah. Well, first off, uh, how, how are you doing, Marco? It's great it was to see you. Great, man. Thank you so much for following my career. It means a lot. And it's, it's a special. It's one in the morning. You're up, you know, doing this with us. So it means a lot. Appreciate it. Usman, though, it's great that you're hanging out with us here. So we're going we're gonna to keep you on the line here. We're going to bring everyone else in the room now. So while I'm doing that, Marco, uh, other than golf, I know you used to be, you always talked about being a big car person. So have you been working with your cars, restoring them, adding to the collection? I'm selling cars now, by the way. So if you do want to, if you want, you want like a, you know, a Honda Civic or something, I can get you a good deal. <clears throat> I haven't learned uh, to repair them just yet, uh, but I am, I just purchased a 72 Bronco at Barry Jackson. Um, and that's in the shop. It's being taken care of. So I, I'm really excited about this thing. See how it comes out. Are you more of a collector or do you like to get them out there on the road? And you do know, have two cars them? that I don't drive. Um, I, I did tell my wife one day that there's, there is money to be made in this and she doesn't believe me. So I told her I'd prove her wrong. So I'm waiting for these cars to be worth more than what I initially paid for them, which they already are. So I just need to make some money on these to show her that you can make uh, some money collecting cars because she doesn't believe me <laughs> i don't know if i believe you either i sell cars for a living i know they they just lose value every day well when you have so one of them's a it's just a 2000 cobra r nothing special but they only made 299 of these uh, mine has 500 miles so it just sits there and this car is already worth more than what i initially paid for it so that, that is one yeah do you have a car in your collection that is just too important for you to drive. Like you, you would never even drive it because it is just too delicate. Like this is this is my baby. It sits here. I will not drive it. No, I, like I said, I drive them all. Um, I I have a '67 uh, GT500 that I restored, and I haven't been driving it the last year. Um, I've had some brake issues, even though it's just an old body, but brand new everything. Um, but the company I used didn't do a great job. So uh, I won't really drive it yet. So these brakes get fixed. Um, and obviously COVID hit. So I just, I didn't want to drive anywhere with it or do anything. So, but now that things are starting to get better out here, uh, I made plans to have it repaired. So once that gets fixed, I'll be driving it quite a bit. Okay. We've got uh, a number of people that would like to talk to you. So uh, we're going to get started right away. And uh, let's begin with Natalie. Hi, Marco. I'm Natalie. Hi, Natalie. How are you? <laughs> oh, good. I got my kids here. They're just being shy. They don't want to be on the video. Um, I... <laughs> um, really, yeah, we really enjoyed watching you play when you were with the Jays. And certainly, I think all, all fans miss you. Um, I guess... Uh, question we were thinking of uh wanted to ask you when you were playing was there a batter that you um found the most difficult to face and one that you usually had that you remember that you had their number that he was maybe more of an easy out right. <laughs> that one that had their number oh, there's a ton of guys i had trouble with um but i think the most difficult at bats would be against either yadi molina or Starling Castro, for some reason, um, they just always put together a great at-bat. Even if I got them out, they just found ways to waste pitches. It was always frustrating. Um, Molina hit, had a lot of hits off of me, and so did Castro. And even though Castro's weren't great contact on most of them, um, it's just he always found a way to get on against me. It was, it was frustrating. Um, and then someone I had success against was uh, actually Mookie Betts. Um, I don't know what he was off off of me, I guess, but uh, I remember just doing really well against him for some reason. Marco, in some ways, does it ever become mental where you just feel so good up against some guy because you've had the success? And likewise, a guy comes to the plate and you just feel, oh, man, 
This guy, like, do you are you aware that a guy's had your number when you go when he's facing you? Yeah, I think uh, it's one thing that does come up. You know, it's in the back of your head. You try not to think about it while you're on the mound. But also, um, I actually just spoke to someone about this the other day because they asked a similar question. I told them, I I swear hitters can like smell blood. So if you're feeling any sort of insecurity, they're going to know and vice versa. I feel like when a hitter was going up there and already felt defeated, I could feel it. And it would, I don't know, I would pitch better against them for some reason, but you do feel those things. It's weird. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Natalie, for your call and your question. And uh, let's bring it now to, let's, uh, I got so many people on here. Uh, Yes. Randy, you're, you're a first time uh, on the show. So uh, there you go. Say hello to Marco. Good afternoon, Marco. Pleasure to meet you. Hey, Don. Nice to meet you. I'm well, thank you. Um, My question for you is, through your career, do you have a crowning moment that you look back on and say, oh, that was amazing. I loved that. Oh, I mean, I think most people remember this about me was when I uh, walked off the mound uh, game five against the Royals. Uh, I've never had an ovation like that. It was unreal. Um, I wish I could relive it all over again just to walk off that mound and hear the crowd go nuts. Uh, it was a special moment, uh, something I'll never forget. How about winning 20 bucks off me in a bet? That was pretty high up there, wasn't it? Oh, anytime <laughs> I get to take your money, Barry, it's, it's up there. For those that are not aware, uh, you had some laugh at my expense about a, a – a potentially drop ball in in the camera bay and you didn't think I could catch a ball again. And, uh, you bet me 20 bucks at the next ball that came my way. I would, I would miss. And, uh, I don't think I missed it, but you claim I did. And, and I, I paid you, you in, uh, I paid you in Canadian money <laughs> and you weren't really thrilled with that either. Were you? Uh, it's okay. Hey, it was <laughs> worth just seeing you try to catch a ball. Uh, all right enough of me uh susan let's get to susan here hi marco thank you for doing this great to see you you look great oh thank Um, you nice to meet you and i just wanted to tell you felt about when you went on that winter tour going to the western provinces how cold it was for how did you enjoy that oh man that was uh so i one of the tours we went to, uh, did you say Regina? I couldn't hear, but one of them was Regina. And yes. uh, that's by far the, the coldest place I've ever been. Um, I don't remember. The, it might have been minus like 50 or something. I, I don't remember. Oh, it was ridiculous. Um, it was a lot of fun for the first like five minutes being out there. And then it really hits you. And you can't have enough clothing on you to, to keep the cold out. And it was something, uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad I got to experience it, but I'm okay where I live right now in Arizona. I'll bet you are. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Nice, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Susan, thank you so much. Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit off the top about just how things are different here in Canada right now than they are in the States COVID wise. How are things in Arizona? Because, I mean, all we hear about is, you know, everything's pretty much back to being open again there. It it really is. Um, You know, the first year I just listening to family members that live in California, what they had to deal with um, was nothing close to what we've had to deal with. Yeah, we were shut down here and there, but for a few weeks, maybe um, nothing crazy. And then it slowly started opening up. And today it's pretty open right now um i actually went to dinner with a wife last night and i got out wearing a mask and the security guards tell me dude you know we don't have to wear those anymore i'm like wait i don't have to wear the mask in there i'm like okay took it off and walked right in it was weird because i I wear a mask everywhere i go you know i just want to be respectful to everybody else um but if no one else is wearing it it's okay then i guess i won't wear it Man, yeah, yeah. it was a nice feeling. It was weird, but it was nice. I think we most of us have forgotten what <laughs> what that life is like. So, uh, all right, uh, Randy, thank you for your question, and Sue, thank you for your question, and let's go to Fiona next. Hi, Marco. It's nice to meet you. 
Hi, Fiona. Nice to meet you. I'm just wondering if you hadn't made a career out of being a baseball player, what would you have chosen as your career? So I actually went to school and was majoring in criminal justice. Um, my uncle, he works at a juvenile hall. Um, and it looked like he, he did really well for himself. Um, so I kind of wanted to take that route. I was thinking either that or uh, some sort of like pro officer. Um, but baseball just ended up working out, luckily. <laughs> oh, my God. How have I never heard this before? You've never asked. Well, let's see, this is what this is why we have to have our every week. We say that our viewers get better questions in than we do. So here we go. Here's another one. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So was that something that you really seriously, like there was a time when you thought, you know, I want to do this or was that a backup plan and baseball was pretty much on your radar from a very young age? Well, plan A was to get uh, school paid for. And once that happened, I started realizing that I might have a chance at making something out of it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was trying to get my bachelor's in uh, criminal justice and uh, I was a year away from getting it, um, but obviously once baseball started up, it's it's almost it's really hard to go back. So I I mean, it's pretty awesome that there's been so many players that go back and and get their degrees. Um, I know when Stroman was injured, uh, he had a chance to go back and finish, and I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, I never never got to finish, but it's okay. Things worked out. Come on, Devin Travis went and uh, finished his schooling. Mm -hmm. Devin Travis, man. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I don't know if you realize, Devin and Michael Saunders are both now working in uh, the Atlanta Braves organization and uh, in the coaching department for the minor league uh, system. Is coaching something that you think you ever might want to do? I think one day. Um, right now I'm having way too much fun. And, you know, I, I've missed so much of my kids' uh, life that I, I just want to be involved right now. So I don't want to go away um, unless, you know, someone offers me some sort of job here in Arizona. Uh, but I think in the future, yeah, I could see myself maybe trying that out for a bit, but, uh, I, I knew about Devin Travis. We still keep in contact, um, pretty often. So I, I knew about him. I had no idea about Saunders. So that's, that's pretty cool. I'm happy for them. Yeah. yeah Saunders is the manager and uh, Devin is, uh, he's doing something, you know, working with. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, speaking of spending time with their kids, uh, my co-host Tom here feels the best way to spend time with his kid is to actually invite his kid to sit in on the conversation. So uh, <laughs> our youngest our youngest uh, con uh, person on the line here is Liam, and I'm trying to get Liam to unmute his audio so we can hear him. There he is. There we go. Uh, who also happens to be Tom's son and uh, a fan of yours, Marco. So uh, Liam, say hello to Marco. And Liam is also, by the way, I'm going to tell you this, one day we'll be pitching in the major leagues. That's just my prediction. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, Marco. Uh, nice to meet you. Uh, my question is, are, do you have any tips for a younger pitcher to get better? Uh, you know what? It, the, the hardest thing for me was uh, being told, no, I couldn't do something and not listening to them. You know, that, that was the biggest thing um, for me that, you know, that pushed me the hardest was always uh, taking that criticism and turning it into something positive. I, you know, I worked really hard. I didn't care what anybody told me. I just always had it in my mind that I was going to get there. Um, so I, I pushed really hard regardless of what the naysayers said. Uh, so, you know, it's just to never give up. And, and I'm sure you've heard that many times, but it's, it's really the truth. If you really want something bad enough, you can easily get it. Okay. Thank you. You got it, bud. Tom, you want to follow anything up yeah, there? Marco, or? thank you so much. So, so this isn't actually generally how I spend time with, with my son, but this is the first time Liam's asked to come and, and take part in one of these chats. And uh, he did because he... I guess he would have been about six years old in 2016 watching, watching those games. And uh, you were one of the first pitchers that he emulated and he is a pitcher in, in triple uh, a rep here. And uh, he, yeah. Thank you so much for, for giving him that advice and, and, you know, talking to him. It's got to work hard, you know, keep your head down, work hard and, and enjoy what you're doing. Do you remember the first time you saw a fan, with an Estrado jersey. And I, I'd have to think that'd be like a really surreal thing to see a kid wearing your jersey. 
actually don't remember the first time I saw one. Um, I, you know, I, I did see a few out there, but it, it's oh come on, oh, come on, <laughs> a few, couple, a couple. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's a cool feeling to you know to know you have supporters out there that are willing to even buy a jersey with your last name on it. Um, it was it was a lot of fun to see. Yeah, I really appreciated that stuff. Awesome. All right, uh, let's go to uh, Matthew who's been waiting patiently. And uh, Matthew, I'm just unmuting your audio here, so you can, uh, there you go. Uh, Matthew, say hello to Marco, and uh, fire away. Hey, Marco. Uh, hey, Matthew. Thank you so much for doing this. Glad to see you doing well. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. I was just thinking, you were mentioning about the, um, that you, like, when you had your mask on when you went to the restaurant, and the officer told you to take take it off. They, did have you gone vaccinated or like, have any of your families gone? No, I haven't yet. Um, he, he didn't tell me to, but he said it's you know you don't need it. Um, but uh, no, I have not been vaccinated. Uh, I have family members that have been. Um, there's 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 basically a, a list. You know, you start with the older crowd. They're getting vaccinated. It just kind of trickles down. So it's not really quite my turn yet. Um, and I'm still undecided on what I'm going to do <laughs> when I get the opportunity. Oh, wow. And actually, baseball related, mm -hmm. I remember your delivery. You used you had a high knee kick, I remember, mm -hmm. when you were with the Jays. Have you always had that like del uh, bad, uh, pitching delivery or has it, like, how did it develop? Yeah, it, it slowly kind of morphed into something different. But if you look back in my younger days, when I actually could throw hard, uh, my delivery was a little bit different. And then as I, you know, the more time I spent in the big leagues, the more I wanted to focus on just locating and stop trying to overthrow. So I, I like made a few tweaks here and there. And, you know, what it the final product was, you know, when I was with the Blue Jays, that that's what felt comfortable. That's what felt like I could control the baseball the most. So, um, you know, that, that was just the del delivery I worked on to try and locate the most. You know, something I never gave much thought of until maybe about a month or so ago when, when we had Jason Fraser on the show and he talked about all the crap that would go through his mind between each pitch, which is why he took so much time between pitches because he had all these thoughts going on in his head. What would go on through your head between pitches? Was there a pattern? Was there something that you would say to yourself or any kind of, uh, you know, regular thought that would go through your head? No. Uh, so when I first came up, I was the same way. I, you know, I would try to remember all the scouting reports and, oh, tell myself, well, you better make sure you, you place this pitch perfect. And I would get in trouble when I would do that stuff. Um and I've said this a million times, you know, I talked to Burley and you just said, trust your catcher, have confidence behind the pitch. And uh, if you do that, you know, you'd be a lot more successful. Take all that other stuff out of the game. You know, the game's hard enough as it is. So don't overthink anything. And sure enough, I, I stopped, you know, I stopped doing scouting reports, whatever the catcher called, I went after it. I was committed to the pitch. And I think that helped me out a ton. Um, that's kind of what brought my, my playing skills, I guess, the next level and why I had so much success and or at least 15 and 16 over in Toronto. What would happen on a day that you were getting rocked, though? Like, would it be that much harder to not because human nature is I'm better than this. Why are they hitting my pitches so much today? I, I would always, and this is no joke, I would tell myself it's because I missed the pitch. I didn't locate. Like I would tell myself, you got lucky on that when, you know, when things were going really well and I was on the mound and someone would, let's just say hit a home run, I would get the ball back and tell myself, man, like you got lucky because I made a bad pitch. So I would let it go really, really quick. Uh, but it was, I, I never gave credit to anybody in terms of hitting, you know, and obviously these guys are so talented. It's, it's incredible what they do, but in the time of pitching, at least for me, because I, you know, I wanted to be mentally strong. It was always, I made the mistake. You know, that's the only reason why you hit it. 
All right, we have one more question for you, and this one comes from John. So, John, say hello to Marco. Hey, Marco. Uh, great to meet you. Marco, uh, other than your pitching, one of the things that always impressed me about you was your close relationship with your mother. And you always spoke so fondly of her. And it, as a person, it, it, I loved you because of that, because of your relationship with your mother. Now, I, I have a question. I read that your nickname is Strada Bien. Yeah. What is that? Oh man, it, it's it's a weird. It's not weird, but um, in so like Dominican players have a saying in Strada Bien, which I still don't really know what it means. Uh, they they try to explain it to me, and it just yeah, I, I'm not really sure how to use it in like a sentence or something, but. They, they keep saying, they, they kept saying that, Strada Bien, Strada Bien. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like a Strada Bien. So that, that's <laughs> the only reason why I ended up using it. But um, Batista would use that that word really often. And I always thought he was like calling my name or something. But I was like, no, it's, it's that's the word I've never really heard. Um, so I was like, I'm going to tie it in and just, you know, make it my own and Strada Bien. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, love that. Speaking of uh, Joey Bats, uh, over the last couple of years, we've seen some videos of him actually pitching, and I think there's word that if there was uh, a World Baseball Classic, he would pitch for the Dominican. I mean, you were a teammate of his, and you saw the work ethic that that guy put in. Any doubt in your mind that he could pretty much do anything he wanted to do athletically? 100%. 100%. I mean, he, he always had a good arm. You know, he was injured one year where he I think he hurt his shoulder. And it probably knocked off a few miles per hour, I guess, during that span. But I'm sure he's worked his butt off and uh, he does everything the right way. So if if he wants to pitch, he will pitch and we'll probably see him soon. Are you still following baseball at all? You're watching MLB? You know what? Uh, I, I didn't so much last year. Uh, I'm trying to get into it right now. Um and I thought it was gonna be hard to watch games, but it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, I watched a, a lot of my buddies that are still playing. Uh, I like to watch them. There isn't really a team that I follow. It's just it's more of the guys. Uh, you know, I, I think most people know I was really close with like Jay Happ and and Aaron Sanchez, and so those guys. You know, every time they're on, I I try to watch them. I was gonna ask you about Sanchi because to me it's one of those really heartwarming, great stories to see in baseball because I think. A lot of people had written him off completely, the Blue Jays included. And uh, now he's back, and, and he looks fantastic. And it's just so great to see. And, it, and it's a, a perfect lesson that never give up until you, you know, that's why. And I totally understand that's why you're saying, I'm not announcing any retirement until I'm told I can never do this again. Right, exactly. Um, but, yeah, he's doing great out there. He looks great. Um, he's pitching really well. Uh, I'm really excited for him. He, he's earned every bit of it, you know, I. I, I knew the struggle he was going through uh, with injuries and, you know, just missing all of last year. Uh, I know it was hard for him. So to see him back on the mound and doing as well as he's doing, I'm, I couldn't be prouder uh, for him. And, and just, yeah, I'm really excited just to see him dominate this year. You know, with all the changes that have been happening in MLB uh, since COVID, uh, something that we get into quite often with players is is what they think of them. Um, specifically, the you know the runner on second uh, to start extra innings, or we had the you know the seven inning no hitter uh, just last week. I think it was. Um, look, looking as as someone who's from the game, how how are you feeling about these changes? Is it taking it in the right direction or the wrong direction? I mean, I was fine with the way baseball was. I do uh, – I know when I was playing, I wanted seven-inning doubleheaders because, I mean, that's a lot of baseball. You know, guys get tired, and there's usually not enough arms to cover these games. So I'm good with the seven innings. I think that's a great idea. The runner on second, that one's a little it's a little more difficult. Um, I think it, they should have a whole another like, stat for those guys because – you know, if that guy scores, it's on whoever's pitching, you know, and this guy might not even give up a hit. You know, he gives up a sack fly to right field. The runner tags goes to third. Next guy hits another pop fly. He tags scores. Next guy strikes out. You didn't give up a hit or anything, but you give up a run and you just lost the game. So 
That, that one's, yeah, that one's iffy. Um, and I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to speed up the game and whatnot, but that's, that one's tough. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I don't know. I, as somebody who's watched the game my whole life, I, I don't care the actual how long a game goes. I just want it to be a good game. I've seen three, four-hour games that have been phenomenal, and I've seen two-hour games that have really sucked. So to me, it, it's, it's more the pace than the length, if that makes any sense. For sure. And I was just watching uh, a few days ago some Padres and Dodgers. That, that entire series was awesome. But they had a game where they won extra innings. Um, and that was the first time I had seen that, where they had the runner on second. Um, and at the t- before I even saw an inning of this, I was like, that's such a crazy idea. Why are they doing this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And watching that, just watching them go back and forth, it was pretty cool, but I, I still don't completely agree. I can hear Liz, but I don't see Liz. But Liz, if you're there, go ahead and ask uh, Marco your question. Hi, I just How wanted to. You? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's good to hear from you. It's good to hear from you too. You listen, I wanted to say how much I, I was thinking about you the other day when I was going through some of the pictures I took and I saw some of me. I, I always remember how awesome you were with all the little kids, well, with all the fans. But I just yeah. remember one time you'd been out running around chasing your Frisbee around and there were these two little kids and, and you're like, and you stopped and you were so amazing with them. And uh, yeah, and that that's those yeah, those are I'm sure the those one of many reasons you know we fans in Toronto love you. Um, I was gonna say the other thing I wanted to ask you is have you been to um, Vegas? Have you got? Yeah, I just came back from it uh, like a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we had so much fun. Oh, that's great, Marco. That's awesome. It sounds like you're having a great time, and I'm. That's I, I wonderful really about your dog. I try to stay away from Vegas because it's dangerous out there. But uh, yeah, it keeps on me back. Um, uh, yeah, we had well, a blast last time. That's awesome, Mark. And well, it's really nice to talk to you. Take care of yourself and your and your family. Thank you, Thank Liz. You. From you, appreciate everything. Great way to uh, to wrap things up. Uh, again, Marco, stay well. It's always great to to have you come on the show. Uh, I'm glad that you're feeling good. I'm glad you're getting some great time in with the kids. And uh, any, of them, go. Uh, any of them playing sports or what? Play ball. Um, she's actually doing really well. Uh, she's pretty. I think she got my genes on that one. <laughs> and uh, my son, he's playing soccer. Um, he did skip this season because we weren't sure what was going on. Uh, but I think it just ended yesterday. So they should start back up again pretty soon. And when they do, he'll, he'll be back playing soccer. He's enjoying it. So. It's been a lot of fun watching them play, man. I get a little too amped up, though. I'm I'm not the crazy dad that's always yelling and doing all that. But, <laughs> you know, I sit quietly in a corner somewhere. But deep down inside, I am screaming louder than anybody. It's crazy. <laughs> I get more nervous watching them than when I would go in pits. It's crazy. Are you serious? Are you one of those parents that, that you know, is at some point going to have to be taken out of the uh... – yeah. Never. No one ever knows what's going on with me. I'm just quiet there, you know, just enjoying it. But inside, yeah, I'm, I'm yelling, screaming, doing everything. Are you able to live a pretty uh, anonymous life these days where people don't know who you are? Oh, in Arizona, yeah, it's, it's really easy to do here. It's only happened a few times where someone recognized. Well, everyone here does. And you did say it was one of the greatest moments of your career and you would like to relive it again. So... Uh, everyone, let's say goodbye to Marco Estrada as he uh, leaves the uh, the Zoom. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Marco. Thanks, Marco. Come on. Thank you. Yay. 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 There we go. There's former Toronto Blue Jay, Marco Estrada. What a fantastic conversation. God, that guy was just a lot of fun to chat with, Thomas. And again, folks, if you want to get in on one of these Zooms, and join in the conversation. And even when there's a lot of people in the Zoom like we had this week, you still get your one-on-one time. Thomas, how can someone get involved? Again, it's a media experience like no other. You can just visit patreon.com slash out of the park. $3 a month, $5 a month. You can come on every week we're talking to a different Blue Jay or baseball professional. 
and the the conversations go to some crazy places and you can get in on them three dollars five dollars a month join us in this amazing format so once again a big thank you to marco estrada for joining us on the program thanks to julia from the jaywalk and of course raj sapaya go to the jaywalk.com follow them on twitter at the jaywalk it's the the underscore jaywalk foundationphysiotherapy.com follow raj sapaya and tom yes i know you're a fantastic golfer but i myself personally have hit a few birdies in my lifetime of golfing uh, i've also hit a few seagulls and i believe a pigeon a barn yes 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 we've all hit barns i'm sure yeah. <laughs> tom thank you as always to all of you thank you so much for making us a part of your week <laughs>